audio jungle. Hello, hello Lavinia, good morning. Hello, good morning. It's uh, it's really nice to talk to you. Thank you for the invitation to talk about the um, role of learning and preserving a healthy company culture. Actually, this is the first episode of a longer series of podcasts, we think. Basically, these podcasts are connected to our um, online events, which are called the Inside Scoop. So there it is. This is the first episode. We're trying to connect you with professionals from employer branding, talent management, and learning and development. So Lavinia is our first speaker. Thank you again, Lavinia, for joining me this morning. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for, for the invitation, and I'm really excited to be here. Okay, super. So just a brief introduction. Lavinia is People Experience Manager at EMAG, and EMAG is the number one digital retailer in Romania. And in her role and throughout her career, she has managed both employer branding and learning and development. Most of all, Lavinia sees herself as a learning geek and actually curates Offbeat, a monthly newsletter with resources and insights in learning and development. Congratulations for all this, Lavinia. I have to say I'm impressed by all the things you do currently. Where do you find time in the day to do all this? Thank you, thank you. Well, uh, let's say my personal life is not <laughs> really happy with me right now. <laughs> I see. Okay. So maybe, Lavinia, you can tell me exactly what your role in the company entails right now? Yep, sure. So as you already mentioned, I'm uh, the People Experience Manager in EMAG. Um, and actually, I coordinated some of uh, six people. And together with them, uh, we're working on improving the experience of our colleagues in the organization. So what this means is that we're looking at every stage of the employee life cycle, like onboarding, career development, or exit. And we analyze uh, their experience with each stage, and we're trying to come up with ways to make it basically better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, nice. I remember when I first met you, for our um, for our written content on the website you told me that you have an NGO background and that when you joined EMAG you felt like you wanted to do things differently basically to bring part of your background into this big corporation how how did you manage your background in this corporation and what can a corporation learn from an NGO in the end Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. So I, I'm going to start with a bit of a of background. Yes. I was a part of the Romanian educational system for more than 12 years. And uh, I learned all kinds of bad things about learning throughout the experience. Because mm-hmm. uh, like in the educational system, what you know about learning is that someone else has to tell you what to learn, when to learn, and how to learn. And actually, when I came to Bucharest as a student, I wanted to do more than university and so on, so I joined an NGO, uh, and I had no idea at that point uh, the impact is going to have on like how I perceive the world, my career, and so on. Um, basically, because when you're in an, a 
student NGO, nobody tells you what to do, how you should do it. Uh, you learn everything in a very practical manner. Mm -hmm. You just have to figure out things and do your best to make things work and keep the promise your organization makes to, to other students. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I completely changed my perception about learning. I understood how important it is for people to be autonomous and have control over their learning experience. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's best that people pick what to learn as they know best what fits them and they will be way more engaged in the process. Mm -hmm. So it actually, I was so surprised to know that it doesn't even matter the, the age, you know, because I've seen all kinds of startups working towards reshaping the educational system and they focus on children in their formative years. And it's great, you know, because... We, we really need more self-driven people because we, we live in this ever-changing yeah. world, you know. Mm -hmm. yep. So I, I kind of, what I'm trying to do is bring this focus on learning how to learn and self-driven learning in, in the organization I'm currently working mm -hmm. and also like spread the word, you know, through Offbit uh, and whatnot about how important it, it is for people to own their, their learning process. Mm -hmm. I honestly, for me, it's the first time that I, that I hear this put out so loud and clearly because I, I hear lots of companies talking about learning and setting up um, a learning plan for the employees but is it always what's best for them do they do they always have um, the possibility to choose what they are going to learn and and how can the company meet maybe sometimes their personal passions and expectations in order to keep them engaged in the learning process so yeah I think this is this is super important and I'm sure you just as well as I have during covid We've heard a lot about learning and I know everyone learned about cooking, knitting. I personally improved my German during these COVID times, but I'm, I'm wondering how is it going to be in companies in these crazy times? Is the keyword adaptability? Is it not? How, how is learning going to happen as we all sit at home from now on? What do you think? Yeah, so uh, honestly, the first wave took us completely by surprise oh, because mainly we had no idea what people would need mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we had to discover it uh, along the way, you know. So uh, one thing we did uh, was this so-called listening system. We had a survey running daily where our colleagues would send us their thoughts and needs mm -hmm. and at first it was all about safety and adapting to working from home as we didn't have that uh, in, in the past in, in our organization yeah. uh, so that's that's what happened in the front end that that's what people were, were telling us in the back end we focused on moving everything online Okay. So we moved our onboarding online and we 
it was so funny because we have we had to figure out how to send uh, the, the equipment to our employees, mm-hmm. and it was quite a challenge. And um, also, we were supporting our internal trainers with tools and feedback, and also connecting with those suppliers that that adapted quickly to the to the new digital space, you know. Mm-hmm. And I am honestly really excited about the the shift to, to digital because. I feel it helps us focus more uh, on the learning experience and how adults learn. Yeah. And just to give you an example, we would usually design like two, three days of in-class training. But the truth is, this doesn't support like performance improvement and behavior change as much as we would have liked to to see those changes you know Mm -hmm. so what what's happening right now is that we're taking a subject and spread it throughout a longer timeline so people have the opportunity to go back to their environment experiment and come back to us with feedback and challenges Mm -hmm. so this way we actually integrate like many adult learning principles, some of them being spaced repetition and interleaving. Okay. So yeah, this, this is kind of cool and uh, we're, we're designing all kinds of internal programs uh, in this manner. And yeah, well, uh, an- another topic that's, like emerged again during COVID was was e-learning, you know, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and we talked so much, so much about e-learning. But um, I might be wrong, but right now I feel like we're living in a bubble Why because, yeah. So sorry. So um, I'm I'm saying this because. E-learning has been with us for a couple of, of years now, and completion rates actually are not that high. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, apart from e-learning, which is, uh, of course, an amazing tool that it's uh, it's part of democratic being a I don't know a democratic organization yeah. when it comes to learning. Yeah, but if you're missing that like self-driven culture, mm-hmm. e-learning it's not gonna be like it's the, not gonna the, happen actually. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's gone. It's not gonna be like that pill you take and all your problems disappear. You know. So yeah, it feels like that if companies want to invest in e-learning, they they should also be focusing on other other things. Other things. Yep. You know, as you were as you were talking, I was thinking about this experiment that was at some point done in in Romania. Children in a certain high school were certainly turned from classical maths lesson to online maths lesson. 
lessons. Mm -hmm. And they were asked afterwards, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to see your teacher online explaining his whole mathematic thing? Or, or do you want to, to be in the class? What would you choose if you were asked to choose? And they said, you know, I feel like I understand better in the online part because I can watch the video afterwards and I can um, repeat some of the stuff that I didn't, you know, really understand from the first time. So it, it was really interesting for me to, to see that Actually, sometimes online learning can work, but of course, in companies, I think the, um, the situation is entirely different. And onboarding someone online, I'm not sure about that. It's going to have to work eventually because we are there currently. But is it as nice as, as the traditional one? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I, I just had a question with regards to, to the number of employees, so we get a sense of the scale of the company. How many people work in EMAG, actually? Five, 5,000 people. 5,000 people, yes, yeah. that's a lot of people. I, I, yeah. was, I was thinking about 1,000, but wow, yeah, that's a huge number. <laughs> yep, yep, we've, we've grown a lot in the, in the past few years. What would you say learning and employer branding have in common? Okay, they, they actually have a lot in common and also they can complement each other very, very, very well. I was lucky enough to be in both, uh, both sides of HR because in EMAG, both employer branding and learning are standing HR. And I would say that although it's not the first thing that that comes to your mind when you think about learning as a learning professional you really need to know some marketing tactics mm -hmm. you know to because well, i think that one of the things we're doing wrong uh, as as a learning and development function is that we assume that everything we put out there people will love and engage with and so on mm -hmm. which doesn't actually happen you know you have to to have some marketing behind your yeah. your program so i think that this skill which you you probably know know so well like when it comes to employer branding marketing is, is a, a huge thing mm -hmm. so is uh, what i think they have in common and to complement each other actually well when you're doing employer branding you you talk a lot about the, the culture in your organization, like projects, programs, mm -hmm. and how people like grow in your company, you know. So I think that if these two functions would partner up more, like employer branding, the, the employer branding function would have even more to talk about I think so. the learning programs and growth in, in an organization, you know. Uh, yes, so, so this is this is kind of kind of huge, and I would I really think that uh, ourselves as learning learning professionals should like borrow from time to time the the employer branding folks to teach us about marketing and help us with marketing our programs. Mm -hmm. And 
what I can say is that I'm lucky enough that our employer branding function is also an internal comms function and mm -hmm. they actually are doing this. We actually can borrow them and they, they help us like think about the programs, concept, creative concept and writing and like spreading the message throughout different channels and so on. So, yep, it, it, it's, mm -hmm. it's a great synergy there. And uh, people should, should see it, definitely should see, should see it more. Yep. You know, the, the marketer in me just cannot abstain from saying that the way you analyze a customer's journey, maybe you can, you can analyze the employee's journey through the learning program in the end. Yep. Yep. So I, I think that's Actually, a very important thing for, for companies to understand that these two directions and functions can really complement each other. Yep, yep. Actually, um, that's what we, we did at first, you know, when I came to, to EMAG, I was in the internal comms team and what we did was uh, like designing the journey of the of the employee and uh, then when I came to the learning function, I started like putting learning programs throughout the journey. So I completely agree. I'm, I'm glad to hear this is happening in, in Romania. Um, I'm curious to see as, as we turn to interviewing people in Germany, how that happens there. But anyway, for sure, IMAG is an exception because it's a huge organization. And I personally see it as extremely international and in, in its way of doing things. Anyway, I'm going to go on to our next question and ask you what you love most about your job. I'm really curious to know that. Oh my God, so many things. <laughs> okay, but uh, <laughs> I, I guess that my top favorite thing um, is the challenge that comes when you want to support both employees and the business, you know, because mm -hmm. you want to have people be happy, autonomous, do their job, perform and so on. But like at the same time, you want to support like the business growth. Of you know, I it's a honestly, that's right. I honestly think that as, as an L&D function, we can have a huge impact in, in business growth, like, mm, achieving our goals uh, as, as, as an organization and so on. So, yeah, we, we can do that, but we, we should also think about the people, you know. So that's a huge challenge and I love it. I, I can say that I, I actually love it. I think people can see that about you and I think that's, that's really, really nice and deserves all the congratulations and, and the respect in the world. Um, I just have two more questions for us, for you, actually. Should you have the possibility to do whatever you want in your work environment? What would that be? Mm, yeah, this is, this is a hard question. So I think that one of the things that I would do is talk more about this self-driven learning concept and I, I would try more to like 
wrap it around our culture to make sure that people understand the, the importance of, of self-directed learning and how that could benefit them. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. right now, I, I still feel that they, like our colleagues think that it's our responsibility to come up with all kinds of stuff when actually we we own our, our learning journey, you know. Mm-hmm. So exactly. I would spend way more time talking about that and doing all kinds of programs. Um, so, yeah, that, that's one thing I would do. And I think that the, the other thing, if, if we would live in, in like a, a, I don't know, fantastic world where, where we could like have unlimited budget, <laughs> I would probably, um, I don't know, think about a way to, for each employee to have their budget and to spend it on whatever they they feel like doing it, you know, because it's so it's so important that they understand that with budget comes responsibility yes. and with with learning also comes a lot of responsibility. So probably this too. If I'm very pragmatic, you know, in, a, in I, the I, unicorn I, world of learning, world of learning and development. <laughs> yep. yep, yep. Okay, and yep. finally, three tips for learning and development managers who are just starting out. What What would you say? What would you tell them to look for? Okay, so I think one of the most important advices I've heard as I was starting out is practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. So you can't ask people to, to learn on their own time and be curious and, and so on. If you're not that type of, that type of person, you know, so mm-hmm. it really feels that being learning and development pro, it, it means that you, you should have this, passion for for learning and this curiosity that drives you towards all kinds of stuff yeah Uh, this would be the first thing the second thing would be don't forget that you are employed to to like support business growth and you should take the time to to understand how your organization works what are its revenue streams its costs and understand how you can like impact those revenue streams and costs actually i would really advise everyone to i don't know learn how to read and interpret a a profit and loss statement i agree Mm -hmm. and like the strategy of the of the organization it, it really feels like a mandatory skill when it comes to LD. and the third one would be to like look around you and see 
what kind of practices can you borrow from other industries, you know? So it's kind of like when I was saying earlier, curiosity, you should have this curiosity to dig deeper into other industries, like, I don't know, product management, user experience, marketing, analytics, and all kinds of stuff, because you, you will, what I discovered was that there are so many things that we could borrow in L&D to make our life easier and to make our programs better. So yeah, this to, to just quick recap, like practice what you preach, mm-hmm. learn about the business and look around you to, to see what you could borrow from other industries. Okay, super. Thank you so much, Lavinia, for sharing these important insights and for for sharing your work experience with us. I will will also be transcribing this uh, podcast so everyone will be able to read it online on, on the employer branding tech platform that we curate. Once again, thank you so much and good luck with everything. You're, you're welcome and I was happy to talk to you and uh, good luck with the new podcast. I, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Hopefully. Thank you, Lavinia. Bye-bye. You're welcome. This was our first episode of the Inside Podcast. I'm Georgiana from Cat, and I look forward to seeing you during our next episode. Bye.